Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
everyone, we are here. This is, it's Untapped in Vinyl slash Dirty Clergy. Guys, thank y'all for coming to Columbus to hang out with us. And uh, so, uh, just to introduce yourselves, uh, who Brian. are you? I'm Brian. I'm Kai. And, and what instruments do you play? <laughs> <laughs> Funny that you should ask. It's kind of uh, yeah. That's a loaded gun. It's, it really is just the two of us, so uh, we kind of share the burden, you know. Uh, I would say Brian's definitely the big... Uh, He's the big catalyst for the songwriting process, definitely. I just kind of help him out with that. You know, but, it, you know, if he plays guitar, I play guitar, we, we do whatever is needed on the record. You know? yeah. So you've got guys that tour with you? Yeah. Playing with bass and drums? or? I would, well, be, I he, would be the tour and bass if we yeah. okay. take it on the road. So who does it on, who plays drums on the record? That would be Cody Moorhead. Okay. Or, well, so that actually the less, touring band is less the... On, less on the record, but Cody Moorhead in the... Got you, got you, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll get into all that. So just uh, starting out, uh, where'd y'all grow up at? I grew up in Winfield. Uh, I've been there ever since. I've never moved from Winfield. Uh, same story with me, except just Hamilton. Alabama. Perfect. And we had uh, we had a little running joke earlier about... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it here. Um, Praise Jesus on Sunday and meth on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> that's Marion County. It definitely does need uh, some light to be shed there. You know, that's that's what people have to look forward to. Yeah. There's not much going on, guys. It's the uh, same for Lamar County. Um, you know, any, anytime you get to those rural <laughs> Alabama areas, it seems we to be the case. We were talking on the way over here. Lamar County's worse than. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so so, what keeps you in Winfield? It's family things, or I guess. You yeah, know, I never really. At one point, when I was younger, I wanted to move. Yeah. And then when we got to traveling and everything, I guess it's just home. Like you, like and and with the band and touring and and going about, you get enough of it outside of that, and then yeah, it's good it's, to come back to a. Yeah. 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 I mean, I get that totally. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Like just growing up in Winfield, Hamilton, like. How did you get into music? Like, uh, was it mom and dad with like the record player, or I mean, I, I, I've heard REM floating around. I remember, you know, music goes back as far as I can remember. I had a Fisher Price record player, it was plastic, and mom and dad had records. You know, it was like Elvis and a bunch of '70s bands, ELO and stuff, and I would just sit and listen to them. And you know, I've always loved music, so. I never really seen myself doing much of anything else. Yeah. What's up, Kai? Uh, I was, uh, I mean, well, my father, you know, raised me single, basically, and uh, my grandmother helped a lot with that. So one of the things that I connected with my grandmother on at an early age was music. She had Beatles records. She had Rolling Stones, Elvis records. And I can remember being little and looking at the gatefolds and just, you know, like, I didn't think about it at the time, but now looking back and realizing, like, getting to see just that big thing, you know, like, most kids that are younger than us, like, come into the age of CDs, but my grandmother still had records. Yeah. And so I got to be a part of that. And it was just such a big thing to look at, as opposed to, like, just a little CD, you know, like. And props to her for, like, the taste, man. She, oh, I mean, yeah. she had the King and, like, yeah. the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A uh, big CCR fan as well. I had a, I had a rock and roll grandmother, sort of. 
But I tell you though, love Jesus too, right? and, and, and in the right way, you know. But, but, but also with rock and roll, and she's a wonderful woman. But but I tell you, and I don't know if you cats are, are you're not too young enough, I don't believe. But like nothing beats the smell of a fresh open cassette. You know what I'm talking about? That sweet smell that the cassettes used yeah. to have. Oh my god, that was amazing. I don't know if they came from one one place or they were they were made in one place or whatever. But I mean, I would get a cassette and it'd just be like, before I started reading every word, you know, it's like, oh my god, it smells so good. And vinyl doesn't smell that good, you know. It put some perfume in it or something. I don't know. Well, what's crazy now is like just with cassettes is uh, man. Just hopping in like an old truck that maybe ain't been running in a long time. Yeah. You pop open the glove box and like you'll see an old like Skinnerd cassette yeah. or something. It's like, yeah, this guy had some taste. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have some of my old cassettes. Um, I remember I bought like the Crash Test Dummies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The Campbell yeah. Soup song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do remember when my dad. Uh, he had this uh, red Toyota pickup. It was a '94 model, and it was like just this old beater truck had a cassette player in it and we literally wore out the best of CCR in it to, to, the, to the point that like fortunate son would not play on it anymore <laughs> just, that was like his anthem you know, he, oh, yeah. that, he really liked that song he used to play it every time we were in the car and the tape would not play it after a certain point that's, that's, man, like CCR is just timeless man you think about like oh, yeah. with fortunate son like Vietnam era and then like even put me in coach when you go out to see a ball game yeah it's yeah I don't know I like that all kind of the newness wore off with me um, in 2019 I went to um, Bowling Green Kentucky or uh, Louisville Kentucky and saw the Bourbon and Beyond Festival and John Fogarty played for two and a half hours I was so ready for him to end <laughs> it was really cool at first I was like hell yeah I'm watching him do every CCR song ever yeah. And then by the time he got through with every song ever, I was like, oh, my God, thank you. He's it's, done. it's kind of one of those where you can only listen to it for so long. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, I mean, it's really great. Yeah, sure. You know, 100%. kind of like ACDC is for me. I love them, but I can't listen to them very All long, the time. You know? Yeah, and, and ACDC has done... I think something good is that every ACDC record you buy is going to be an ACDC yeah. record. It yeah. doesn't change. It's not like me listening to Lucero where they go through the stages of their life and now they're, they went from whiskey and women to, you know, marriage and missing your family. You know, it's like, oh, I just kind of don't want to do it sometimes, you know, <laughs> but ACDC is always consistent. Yeah. CCR yeah. listening back to their records, always consistent. Yeah. You know, it was like the same song, but different, you know? Sure. Ramones were the, yeah. The same way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's notable that the Ramones, uh, you know, Joey being the front man, he he was one of the only ba- only singers in a band at that time period in that New York CBGB scene that wasn't trying to like, you know, copy the New York Dolls. Who was really just trying to copy Mick Jagger. <laughs> Yep. You know, I'm not trying to take away from any of those bands because I love the New York Dolls and I love the Rolling Stones too, mm-hmm. but it just back stand where they stand that's it and Joey sounded like Joey and it, I think it really made Hoff the Ramones are you know who doesn't have that it's historic yeah. yeah that's what about like just with getting involved with music and picking up an instrument how did that happen for y'all the let's see I actually started playing on my brother's guitar he kind of started playing before I did but his older brother yeah and um he didn't play as much as I did, and I was like, well, if he's not going to play it, I'm going to play it. Mm-hmm. That was in 99, I think. 
So that's where I really started to play, and I, then I got serious about it in like '01. Started riding more and all that stuff, and so I don't know. It kind of worked out pretty good. I mean, like Brian and I have known each other for we we talked what like 15, 17 years or yeah. so now, um, and I, like I don't remember you how, ever. How, like, did guess, how did y'all meet? I, I worked with Z100.5 in Tuscaloosa uh, in Birmingham, and you came to be an intern yeah. at the station. Were you going to UA? No. Oh, I you was just, just there. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to freaking help. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I can remember, man, the, the, the coolest story, or not the coolest, it's actually the hottest story I've ever had uh, with this guy was we were out at Tuscaloosa Toyota whenever they were on down Skyland from where they are now. Uh-huh. We were out there. There was like a section, kind of like a a, a, a gravel frontage road, um, right in front of the location. And that's where we set up the station tent. And he and it was the hottest day <laughs> in the recorded annals of history. Yeah. It was so fucking hot that day. <laughs> and he and I just sat out there. I don't think maybe you know two or three people came by to grab a t-shirt and a slice of pizza, man. Yeah. But he and I just sat there and bullshitted for two hours, just sweating, just going, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's miserable hot." So we started calling Tuscaloosa Toyota's parking lot. The tarmac, because it was like a damn. Oh, it was so hot. It was, it was ridiculous. Hot. It's like one of them Alabama days where it feels like the asphalt's gonna melt. Oh yeah, it was bubbling yes. that day. I'm sure it was. Yes. <laughs> we actually test drove a car that day. You did. We did. We did. Did yeah. we? Shit. Which, which car did we test drive? I don't <laughs> remember. Damn. I don't even remember that part. Yeah. And I wasn't drinking. We were just eating pizza and drinking sodas <laughs> out of the cooler. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy times, man. That was a long time ago, 15 years ago, you know? That's crazy. I know just setting this up and like when I was telling you, I was like, dirty clergy. And I was like, like, you got to get them to come to my house. <laughs> come to my house. This is going to be cool. Yeah. And I think the last time we saw each other was, you said, 2006. Yes. Um, we, were, uh, we were waiting in line for the meet and greet with mm-hmm. uh, Everclear at, uh, at Druid City what was it then? It was um, the Jupiter, Jupiter at yeah. that point. Yeah, I miss that too because, like you know, Birmingham has Saturn and Tuscaloosa had Jupiter. I was like, yeah. that's sick. And now it's what Druid City Music Hall or yeah, something it is, like that. It is. Yeah, it became the Dixie for a short time, and then it turned back to the Jupiter, and then Jeremiah sold out over there and um, sold it, not mm-hmm. sold out. <laughs> he sold it. You guys remember the Bottle Tree? I do remember Bottle Tree. I saw. The Dexatines at Bottle Tree, um, shit, a bunch of bands that I was just too drunk to remember at the time, you know. The last show I called it Bottle Tree was in, uh, like maybe I don't remember when it closed. Yeah, I remember the last show I called it the Bottle Tree. It's early two thousands. Pretty close after, pretty quickly after that was. No. King Tough. King Tough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called him at the Bottle Tree. It's a good live show. No, I think it was later, twenty uh, tens. Oh, okay. Yeah, when it, it closed. Was, we yeah. played there in 12. Yeah. And then it turned into a more... A year or two after that. Bottle Tree, it, it like really did a lot for the Birmingham scene, and then it mm-hmm. evolved into, like, they do secret stages now. And Well, I think the the, um, the way I understand it, I think there was a couple that owned Bottle Tree, and they got divorced, and the the, um, the male went to start Saturn. Mm-hmm. Is that, oh, am I right on that? That sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's what, what the situation was. But Saturn, in my opinion, the coolest live music venue in, yeah. I've never been there. Yeah, it's... Um, I haven't either. 
Lucero used to start their tour there every year. So I Saturn seems to be like I don't know, maybe it's just my own preference, but like that's where I can catch up with the world before the pandemic on. Mm-hmm. That's where I would that's where most of the shows I would go to that were in Birmingham. Like most of the shows I was interested in, like I caught Black Whips there, I caught this band called Jail, they're from Wisconsin, they're a really good indie band, like so all the bands that I like are all playing at the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I just kind of you know after Bottle Tree wasn't available anymore, Saturn's gonna kind of migrate it over to that to so catch cool shows there. Yeah, and then a lot of bands like that you would normally think that you know Bottle Tree would have been perfect for them, like Dinosaur Junior, yes. um, uh, Sleater Kenny, mm-hmm. you know, all play Bottle Tree. I think that's really cool. It's just a a cool space. Um, work play was like a big thing back in the day too yeah. over in Birmingham, you know. Um, I saw freaking, I don't know how many shows. Some of the best shows I've ever seen ever in this world were at work play. Yeah, I agree. Seeing, seeing the Dresden Dolls there, seeing Damien Rice there. Ooh, Damien. Um, yeah, oh my God, man. That's a, a perfect venue. I saw venue. Kings of Leon there in 04. Wow. That's great. dope. It was great. Yeah. You know, there wasn't many people there. It was before they blew up. Yeah. And, uh, that's like Band of Skulls. They were good. Have you ever listened to them? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. God, I played them on Indies Only, yeah. Yeah, they were good. Um, yeah, I'd have to think, man, like wait, like going back to all the bands. Oh, I saw the Civil Wars there on their CD release party, the sold-out show. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> There's no way in hell that anybody would that ever saw the Civil Wars would ever say that they didn't put on an amazing show. Oh, my gosh. Well, Kyle, what about you, man? Like, just with, um, I know a little bit about your influence. How did you uh, find the instrument? And, and what was your first? Well, uh, it was bass. And, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not so much anymore, you know, but, like, when I was a kid, I uh, really loved Green Day. Mm-hmm. Really loved Green Day. Uh, just thought they were the coolest thing. You know, it's 10-year-old me, like, really resonant, I guess. So I wanted to emulate Mike Dern. I wanted to be just like him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, I, I have to play bass guitar. I have to learn to play bass guitar. I want to break in here and say something because when Kai auditioned for the band, it was kind of like, actually, it was more like a handover from Michael Pope to Kai because they were friends and we were going to be looking for a bass player. He's like, I know one. So he came to practice one day and he played. And he really reminds me, and even after we toured and I saw everything, he's like, it's like Didi Ramon. He's just got energy, he's fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I was gonna say that's a great bass player. Like Mike Dern's what inspired it initially, but I mean, if you were to ask him, I bet you he'd tell you Didi Ramon made him want to pick up the bass. So that yeah. makes sense. Not true. That's, that's... I have to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> you said not true. <laughs> no, I said it's true. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to give credit where credit's due, though. Like, and you know, I don't want to be a liar. So I mean, like, really, it was Green Day that sparked the initial flame as to making me want to play a bass guitar. And then I've since then branched out. And I can play several different instruments now. I'm not just mm-hmm. a bassist, but uh, for the Dirty Clergy, that's that was the role that needed to be filled, and I filled it, and still filling it now. And back then, we were fast. Yeah. You know. I, was, I had this rule too like when I joined the Dirty Clergy I was like because I had this idea like it was kind of like a, a more like punk driven thing so I was just like all down strokes and with a pick <laughs> <laughs> all down strokes with a pick you know 
just echoing the Johnny Ramone aesthetic, I guess. <laughs> all down strokes and definitely with a pick. Yeah. Let's, uh, Brian, just with like, um, Not so much. when you started playing out, was it always Dirty Clergy or like how did that? Yeah, I've never played with it as anything else. <laughs> when did it start? 2009. Me and uh, a guy started it as a folk duo. Oh, so the band has really changed over time. Oh, it's changed. It's ever-changing. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we started, you know, folk. And it was really when we went to St. Louis to see BRMC and Band of Skulls. I said, we need to change. We need to do something else. And that's when the full band came. And that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. yeah. Music-wise. Yeah. And so we got a little bit into about how Kai got into the band, but uh, just from uh, 2009 to Kai joining, um, what did that look like? Was it playing a lot in Winfield, or what, what were y'all up to? 2009, uh, we didn't play our first show until the fall of 10, and we just took out on the road. We just booked stuff and started going. Um, did y'all have any kind of help, or y'all was just DIY? I did it myself. Yeah. Um, we went... That year, we went to Chicago and New York and Delaware. Those were really good shows. I mean, considering it was our first shows, you know, I guess they had good walk-in because nobody ever heard of us. Yeah. But yeah. Did you ever open up for anybody that's like, you know, get... We played a show with Mitski. Oh, yes. We played awesome. a show with her in 2012 uh, at a bar in New York City. Right on. And... She's cool, but she. <laughs> She's what? <laughs> <laughs> was weird going to come out of your mouth? What was? Yeah, that was. That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> She's different. Yeah. But she, you know, she's good. You know? So, so, so the constant touring has kind of kept you guys in the front. I know. Whenever you told me when Rattlesnake was out. You guys got nominated for an uh, independent music award. Right. How was that? When, what, like, how did you get the news and, and what was well, that feeling when you got that? Well, to do that, you know, you submit your music, but it's, it's worldwide. They, they consider artists from all over the world. And um, I had the email there, and I don't remember what it said, but I opened it and said, Congratulations, you've been uh, nominated for Album of the Year. I was like, <laughs> this album of usually music, that's you know? the biggest honor yeah, they got you know? yeah not single or best alt rock song just you know? it was straight album up of the year yeah. and uh so i went up there and we didn't win but we were in the running so, that was cool uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah and just to be nominated right right yeah. that was that was a win for me yeah I remember uh, it was earlier this year, Jimmy Duck Combs got nominated for a uh, Grammy. Yes, he did. And um, went down to Ben Tony to the Blue Front Cafe and, you know, had a Grammy party, invited folks out to play right there on the Blue Front, mm -hmm. on the porch. And you literally had people from all over the country. And if it wasn't, like, COVID times, I bet people would have flown in. Because, right. like, in regular times with the Blue Front Cafe, it's nothing to be a Sunday afternoon and someone who flew in from... Tokyo came just to hear Jimmy Duck at the Blue Front. Right. It's it's and like we're having this Grammy party, and there's 300 of us gathering around these TVs, and we're just like, is Jimmy gonna win? Jimmy, he didn't win, right. but at the same time, we're just like, 
Hey, Jimmy, get back out on the porch and play for us. We, yeah. You're a winner of <laughs> us, you know, I mean, it, it, just to be nominated, right, you know. Right, that's big. So, so like, after that, did any doors open up? It's just kind of like... Just a steady stream kinda, of things? and I don't know if that caused anything to happen. Like, we basically have to make it happen, mm -hmm. you know, keep pushing our music out there. Yeah. And hope, you know, it's kind of like when we got uh, on... Um, they placed us on uh, Shameless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had like, there. you were on 10 episodes of it. Yeah, two. Two? It yeah. said 10 on, on Wikipedia. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank, uh, thanks, Wikipedia. Yeah. It was two. It was what, two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where's the cooler? You know, hmm? Then we... Uh, the cooler. Refrigerator. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. and see, Just bring like the whole thing. When the new album was released, um, Stuff just kept coming in, and then it was it got a five star review mm -hmm. on Albumism, and then it ended up being placed at 35 best albums of the year ahead of a lot of big label bands. Yeah, I will interject here, but only briefly. I was really surprised when you sent me the link to that, and I'm gonna look at it. Some yeah, of the bands we were ahead of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, who were you ahead of? Well, I, I think. I can't remember. So I can't. I can't honestly remember. Brian would have oh. to probably pull it up and oh, show it to But it really blew my mind because it, it's it's definitely notable acts in rock and roll. Yeah. Bands that deserve to be where they're at, and then some. I believe, in my own opinion, but like just some of the bands that Albumism.com had placed us before it was just what. That's very cool, you man. Think so you really think so? That was the <laughs> feeling I had. Was. Yeah. So, so where did the Dirty Clergy come from, the name? The name? Yeah. Oh, Brian, I love this story. Please tell it, man. He tells it better than anyone else. I don't even know if I can tell it the same as I used to because I'm getting old. My nah, memory is fading. You're getting old, my ass. <laughs> it don't matter. Uh, no, the story's going to still no, be. No, there was... Okay. There was a preacher in town, and at the time, there was a... Like prohibition. There was oh no! Wow! <laughs> and um, oh no! This guy, this guy didn't want alcohol to be sold in town, and I was the guy pushing to have it sold in town. So I had the following for that. Yeah. He had his following, and he ended up, you know. He doesn't even drink. I know. Yeah. But, he for the but did you used to drink? No. Okay. No, I've never drank. drank. And um, it. Growing up in Winfield, how did you manage that? So, so this guy being a man of the cloth became the dirty clergy in your brain, right? right. Yeah. And uh, he he actually sent out an email to the church, saying that I was in the streets begging for money to fund like a recount. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even the case. He didn't even know what he was talking about. And then he goes on to say several lies about me. And um, people in the church that knew me forwarded me the email, which I still have at home. And uh, I called him. I said, what is this? Did you write it? I said, you're a preacher. I'm sure you didn't write these lies about me. And his response was, don't ever call me again. Oh. I said, well, all right. That was it? That was it. The dirty clergy. <laughs> I love it. I like that. That's awesome, I mean, man. 
if anything, it's, it, it's, it kind of puts out the idea of the concept that like maybe things aren't as, as they appear. Right. Maybe they do need a second or third even. Yeah. Edit. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes plenty of sense. Because, you know, you look at a preacher, you're like, okay, he's a decent dude. Stand up guy. Stand up pillar yeah. of the community. Somebody and then when, to really look up to uh, spiritually. You, you know, know he, he thinks that his he's a hypocrite and a liar. And congregation is not going to talk to me. If they know me, I guess he thinks it's kind of more like a cult following or something. They're going to do as he says. Yeah. And then they send me the emails. I'm like, okay, something else is up there. He's not who he's claiming to be. But. Wow. <laughs> that's wow. That's one of the coolest stories of how did you get your band name? <laughs> yeah, that might be that the I've best one that we've yeah. had on the show, no doubt. Things aren't always what they appear to be. And you should really pay attention to the finite details because really the finite details is what makes the whole picture mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. And, uh, All right, I'm still working on this list here who we were ahead of, not bragging. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not bragging. It's just like... Okay, it, it so was definitely humbling for me. Carly Rae like, Jepsen, the so. Vapors. Uh, <laughs> who is this other one? There was more. Lady Gaga. No oh, shit! <laughs> wow. Gloria <laughs> Estefan, Harlow McKinney, <laughs> and actually Bob Dylan was number fifty-nine. No shit! Wow. Yeah. That's a new one. Well, that's so, cool, man. Props to you guys. Nora for that. Jones, Lisa Loeb, Fleet Foxes, Waxahachie, Tame Impala. Waxahachie. Waxahachie. It's crazy, you know? I love, man. Waxahachie put out the best record Even of. Even the weekend. Oh, no yeah. shit. I mean, I don't know who was listening that's to this stuff. That's cool, said, okay, man. Let's put these guys yeah, at 35. When you sent me that list, it really did blow my mind, y'all. Like, really, y'all think so? You think this is a better album <laughs> or a better listen? In your opinion, this is a better listen than this? But but I mean but I mean if you're gonna do a list like that you're gonna to listen to the whole record right and and yeah. all of us here can agree we've listened to records where there's one or two really good songs on the rest of them are shit yeah it's like you I know? wish I, I wish so, I didn't buy it you know? so so as a whole you ended up at this number on the list you know as the whole record together as a as a a, a thing you know because um, I mean I shit I've there's been a lot of records that like really great songs have come off of. And like you always release one or two ahead of the album release, and when the album comes out, it's like mm. those were the songs. Yeah, yeah. it's like okay, <laughs> I see why you released those two because they're the only two good ones on and, there. And just like the way that I found Dirty Clergy, um, I started hanging out at uh, Cornelius Chapel, and one day upstairs with all the, it was like I stepped into heaven. It's all these boxes of records right. and CDs. And uh, I I just sat down with Wes. We went upstairs and like he was just building me a box of bands I should know about. And he put yours like right at the top. And he was like, "Listen to that." <laughs> <laughs> and um, man, it, it 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 is that way. It's like man, I put it in on the way home, and it was like front to back. It was like I didn't skip a track, and it quickly became like one of my favorite records to sit down with. I mean, it would literally, like, if I had it on vinyl, it is the perfect example of, like, what vinyl is. It's something you, you put on and you walk away from. Right. And it's, because it's good front to back, you know? You don't, it's, it's not a it's not a hit list, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a damn good album. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. <laughs> that... 
And I mean, how did, how did y'all find Cornelius Chapel? I mean, meeting Wes and Les, and how did all so that go? We down? recorded with Les, and um, there was just one day we were, me and Les was talking. And I told him I was like, you know, see what we can do with this. You know, see if we can find a way to get it out there. And uh, he said, I'm gonna give it to Wes and see what he thinks. And then Wes called. He was like, Come meet with me. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we went up there, or I went up there, and we talked about it. He said, okay, I can do this and this and this. I was like, sounds good to me. You know? So that's how that went. But this record was a lot different than the last because, you know, we had a different singer on the other one, and I'd written all these songs for him to sing, and then... I don't mean to interrupt you, but you better include that in there from stuff because I was telling you. Oh yeah, yeah. Newcomb was like, "You got to get rid of that guy because you know, trouble and a bunch of crap." I didn't. I don't. I don't deal with drama and stuff. So, thought that was some solid we just had advice. to rework the songs, and I didn't want to sing them, but at the same time, I didn't want to have to go through rehearsing a bunch of people to see who would be the best. Mm -hmm. Les told me. He told me. He was like, "I think you need to sing them." So. I sat in the room and I worked on them until I felt comfortable with them and that's how it went. I told him he should have been singing. He should have been the singer for the Dirty Thirty from the very get-go, but at the same time Brad White did bring an element that really made it different music because I would say in waves it's totally different. It's different. It's, all, it's like, I mean, it's the same two guys that were in the other stuff, but like it really is just a different sound altogether. We really made a, a huge departure from Rattlesnake on in Waves. It, it kind of got a little more, like I don't really know what the word means, but the only thing that comes to mind is like shoegaze. Yeah, I was going to say, I had been listening to uh, one of my favorite bands, I guess I'll go ahead and wear it on my sleeve, one of my favorite bands of all time over any decade is Spaceman 3. Mm-hmm. That's Peter Kimber, Jason Pierce. They split and went on to do Spiritualized and Spectrum, respectively. But that's a huge influence on me. Those two that are really, really a big influence on me. And Newcomb from the Brian Jonestown Massacre. And see, at the time. I like that. So. I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, I'm done. I was okay. going to say, like, at the that time, might be why we got called You know, I was listening to the Ravenettes and Always and. It's a lot of indie bands. You know, like was on both of our brains at the time of In Waves creation. Like he was listening to his own brand, like his own particular taste of indie rock music, and I was too. Uh, I love the Velvet Underground. I think Lou Reed's uh, really wonderful. Thank you. I think David Bowie and the Stooges are really wonderful. <laughs> I think they're all. We'll really drink to that. I mean, just a lot of rock music wouldn't be what it was without that golden triangle, so to speak. Artesia and Tupelo and the golden triangle. Well, my golden triangle is yeah. Iggy, <laughs> Bowie, and Lou Reed. There you go. That's, my that, that's a good golden triangle. That's a good one. Iggy, Bowie, and Lou Reed, man. Can't go wrong if you're trying to rock and roll. Why not start there? Yeah. Let's uh, go here just for a second. I mean, we uh, we were talking outside before we got started about just R.E.M. About wrestling. Yeah, we're talking about wrestling. Yeah, Blair and Michael Yeah, should run, you know, advice. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, what you have some cool stories, and like I hear people say that 
you don't never want to meet your heroes or you know you don't want to be in contact with your heroes but like both of y'all have pretty good experiences like oh, you, yeah, you wrote a letter I found I found Newcomb to uh, Anton Newcomb from the Brian Jonestown Massacre I found him to be a very incredibly humble and approachable person uh, despite like all the noise you might have heard you know like people said he's hard to work with and I think it's just because he's a genius and he's unwilling to compromise what he's after and I think he's a uh, fair really wonderful guy uh, I didn't want to bother him too much. I just walked up to him. I was just some kid that you know wanted to see the Brian Jonestown massacre, and I caught him outside smoking a cigarette, and uh, just walked up to him and said, "Hey, you know, I don't want to bother you, but you probably get this all the time, but I really look up to you musically." And he said, "I can dig that, man. That's the only dialogue we had uh, between the two of us, but you know, just the fact that he was willing to acknowledge me mm-hmm. uh, meant the world to me." And let's compliment him on one of the most fantastic band names ever. Yes. Oh, yeah. Brian Jonestown Massacre. Yes. Come on I now. Think he, I think the Brian <clears throat> Jonestown Massacre is, is, is really, really amazing band. Yeah. Really wonderful stuff. And it was it was Les that wrote him, right? Hmm? It was Les that wrote him, and he wrote oh, back. Was uh, it, no, is that right? Les told me the story of writing a letter to Peter Buck when, when he was growing up, and that Peter wrote him back. And that he said that he felt like that mother, that that really had a, a big influence on him and set him on the path he's on. Lester Newby yeah. told me that story when I first met him. Yeah. When we met and we sat down to a podcast, we, we did it in the recording room at um, Cornelius. And uh, after everything was over, man, Les and I had a great conversation about R.E.M., and, uh, he's a, a huge fan of them. I'm a know. super big REM fan, and I saw uh, Les had this little R. It was like a little, some kind of little statue, uh, and it's like an R.E.S. R.S. Records. And I was like, dude, <laughs> do you like REM? He's like, fucking love REM. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about REM until our ears bled. You know, like but, nobody remembers anything about IRS Records except for REM. <laughs> you know, I, mean, hey, I don't know what else was signed. Who else I was signed really to that? I don't know what else know? was on that label yeah. other than just those. Very important, like I mean, Radio Free Europe, you know, like the Murmur and Fables, the Reconstruction. That's that's the REM I really like. I mean, I, I oh so yeah, I listen to Orange Crush and I will listen to uh, the stuff on. I think uh, once you once you once you got to the Orange record, I think it kind of like everything before that was that was that REM, and everything after that was that REM. You know? Yeah, I will say like um, there's a big shift in sound when when uh, Bill Barry departs the band because of his health sure, and stuff. Sure, like sure. Aneurysms, yeah. Now, I don't blame him for not playing live anymore, but, you know, like, the, the, sh- the sound did change. I mean, that's just how important everybody in the band was. And like I told you outside, I, I really still believe Mike Mills has always been their secret weapon. He's like, <laughs> he's the bass player. He, he's the anything that's... He's like, the rhythm section regardless of who the, the drummer top, is. He's, you know? yeah. he's like the second coming of John Paul Jones, so to speak. He, he does anything that's not vocals, drums, or guitar. Mm-hmm. Mike Mills can do it. And he's... I've always been a huge uh, REM fan. I've never seen them live, never met any of them. Same. But one time I went with my cousin to, um, we were living in New Orleans, and we went to a, a bar called Muddy Waters. And Kevin Kenny from Driving and Crying was playing. And backing him up on mandolin Don't was make. Peter Buck. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. fucking Peter, that's fucking Peter Buck from REM, right there, look. You know, this was like out of time, you know, kind yeah. of REM era. And I was like, 
everybody knew who all the members of REM were at that point, you know? So it's like, fuck, it was really cool. But yeah, I never did get to meet him or anything, but it was really cool to see him live. <laughs> hey, you were talking about meet your heroes or like, yeah. Um, I will say uh, another story that I, I find fascinating is I'm wearing a shirt. And it's the vacant lots. Mm-hmm. And they're they're like an electronic. Uh, I don't know how to. You just have to check them out, man. It's fucking with my head right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> the vacant, the vacant lots are really really cool. They're a, they're a, they're a duo from from Brooklyn. I think originally from Burlington, Vermont, via Brooklyn or via Brooklyn, whatever. Uh, Jared Arto is uh, is the guy. I've talked to him a little bit and. He had put on, he put out a post on Instagram uh, not too long ago, and he said, "I think it's important to meet your heroes." You oh. know, like, you know, if somebody inspires you musically, you should reach out to them. You know, like, well, you have nothing to lose by saying, "Hey, I enjoy your music." And, you know, he's like, if the person's worth their, you know, worth their weight, they'll respond. Yeah. And I, I like that. I think Jared. I don't, I don't know if that's his real name, uh, Jared Arto. Brooklyn, New York, vacant lots. I could plug anybody. Wonderful music, wonderful people. Yeah. Really like them. Have you ever met your any of your heroes? Man, uh, I'm damn close to one. Like, uh, Dan Arbot was a, a huge reason why like, I picked up guitar. Yeah, we've talked and, about uh, the Black Keys many times. Yeah, so. and, like, actually, like, with the record right now, it's like me and him is trying to come to some kind of an agreement about Yes. What's to be done? Yes. With it, with having early on the record, but um, you know, I would say like as I started doing this show, and I got more exposed to music, that uh, I've had a lot of heroes uh, that I uh, hold in very high standard, uh, such as Taylor Hollinsworth. Mm. Um, uh, Honorary seat on edge of the cushion over there that, for Taylor. Yeah, that's right. Is like um like like you said is like um I've always heard it said is like you don't want to meet your hero because like it might disappoint you. Right. They might not be who you think they are. They might be a dick. But uh in my experience, like you said, is like I think it's worth doing. And uh yeah, I mean I've I've met there's been a couple of heroes in my sky that I've I've had an opportunity to speak with. Oh, good. Well, I, met, I met Kings of Leon, BRMC, and Ralph Nader. <laughs> there you go. I, I was not disappointed at all. Yeah. So. And <laughs> it, I mean, it is it is a cool feeling when when you feel like, well, I, I know from my own, I, I can only go off of how I feel, always, you know. But mm-hmm. like, I'm a very humble person. I don't think of myself as bigger that that I matter any more than the next fella, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just a human being trying to be a human being amongst the other human beings, so to speak. But I mentioned uh, Spaceman 3 being a big influence. Well, I bought a t-shirt from Sonic Boom. And not only did he, with his own hands, put the shirt in the mailing to send to me, but he like sent me his signature as well. And I've got that like on my altar at the house. Because I have like, this like, small altar to Spaceman 3. I have their yeah. studio records like framed up. Like, yeah. I'm a really big Spaceman 3 fan, and just the fact that Sonic Boom, like a, like like you know, I told you, and just acknowledged me. Yeah. Sonic Boom acknowledged me, and uh, that's 
Yeah, I think that is important. You don't have to like just really be up somebody's ass and have to know every detail about their life. Right. But, like if you'll just acknowledge them. Uh, for me, just being a kid, that you know, it's, it means a lot. Yeah. For your musical heroes to say thanks for digging the music, thanks for buying the records, thanks for listening. Yeah. If some kid came up to me and said, "I love the Dirty Clergy," for me to be able to give back what you know, Sonic and. And well, I mean, we're doing me. that right now. It's yeah. like I'm—I'm I'm a kid, and I love the Dirty Clergy. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, well, thank you for listening. To you know, like, You're a kid, <laughs> a thirty-year-old kid with that beard. I, I, I say kid, but I'm just—it's people yeah. in general. If any any person wants to make that genuine connection, like, hey, you've made good music. Yeah. I love the music you've created, and then you can say. Well, thank you for listening. If I can, if I can be put in a position to say thank you for listening, that humbles me in a way. It's extraordinary, and it's a good feeling. I like yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what's been great about this show is like to be able to, like, have musicians and interview them. Especially like, um, I don't invite just anyone to be on. Is like I hear the music and I was like, yeah, I'd like to have that on. Yeah. And I, I want to talk to you about it. I want to pick your brain about it. And it's like. Guys, I can't I can't tell you enough. It's like how much I have a, a lot of respect for that latest record y'all put out. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. I was gonna say I can't speak for Brian, but I think I might maybe can in this one instance. But like, I think the two of us were just really trying to create something genuine that would last and that would touch people like deep down in their bones and their souls. Well, I mean, even with the origin story of Dirty Clergy, is like, man, it's like trying really hard to be honest, and like everything that we've talked about so far, it's just like your story so far, it's like we're honest. Yeah, that's why I'm so uh, so fond of Brian here. You know, like you know, I can go ahead and tell you, I got some good ones coming up too. <laughs> <laughs> if he's yeah. ever tried to be anything uh, in my own experience with him as his friend, as his uh, bandmate, like definitely always try to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked quite a bit about the past. I mean, let's talk about today. Like, what have y'all been up to, like, over 2020 with not being able to get out and pandemic? Oh, it's man. like, what, what does life look like for you? Brian was the social media wizard with the cover songs yeah. during the pandemic. Now, I, yeah. I thoroughly is, yeah. enjoyed that shit. There, there was a... There's a good many of them, probably 30 or 40. <laughs> really? That many? I don't guess I saw 30 or 40, yeah, but that there was, was... There was a bunch. I was doing two or three a day. Yeah. Uh, that was good man I wrote before my son was born he was born in July and I knew when he was born I was going to be limited for time with writing so April May and June of last year I wrote the new album and we've just been we actually just started last week kind of both of us trying to get those ready no man that was more of a catch up than anything (laughs) That was, yeah, we didn't do much at all. <laughs> <laughs> we got together a couple of songs and really just was like, how are you, man? Yeah. Really, how are you? Let me pick your brain. I'll pick yours, too. Yeah. You know, it was just, we hadn't seen each other in a minute, you know, in pandemic and stuff, and Brian is uh, new to the family life, you know, and I've been trying to, you know, be supportive and respective of that. You know, I can't expect him to, to get together every weekend. You know, he's a sure. new, yeah. new father, new baby, and... I respect that he's taken. He's really good, as far as I'm concerned. Been a good dad, as far as what my eyes can see. Great. Appreciate that. That's <laughs> awesome, man. I got somebody cutting an onion up in here. Yeah, somebody Damn. is cutting. Some <laughs> no, for whatever it's worth, Brian, man, well, he's really took to it. Like that little boy doesn't hurt for anything. I don't think with Brian. Yeah. 
And so I mean, like, as far I know, it's hard to project, but it's like any any live shows coming up that y'all are trying to get into, or like I'm we've open. had I'm open to we've it. had a few offers, but it's just coming down to whether or not we can get prepared. Because I'm not going to get on stage and be like and half-ass it. Right. Yeah. All right, guys. It's so never we happened before. Show since 2012. It's not, you know, so just bear with us. We're not trying to be like that. We want to be like. I want it to be. Yeah, it's not. Really, it's not gonna be crap. Yeah. We really, want to, <laughs> really want to be on every point we can be on if we if we do take it back live. Definitely. How long has it been since you played a live show? 2012. 2012. Damn. Allergy. Yeah. That goes back to my health issues. Yeah. Uh, but. Been a lot of reasons why we haven't played a show since 2012. Not just because we didn't want. To. It's hard to believe though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just found out about y'all like last. Year or the year before, and I was like, "Because you heard them on Indies only, being part of it." Publicity is what's keeping us. Yeah, I mean, you were like, I didn't know a whole lot about you till I reached out to you, and it was like extremely relevant in my eyes, you know. And I I had no idea you hadn't done a live show since 2012. Yeah, that's crazy. It's unfortunate, uh, but for that to have happened, we've done really well. He wrote a really blistering lyric for uh, the song Homesick, and it says, this medication doesn't work. In fact, I think it's making it worse. Ooh, and I think that's Homesick's a, the one I played. I think that's a very relevant, yeah. very, very, like, I will say bold, but not so much in my eyes, but bold to, to maybe someone else. But I think it's a very relevant and a very honest take on uh, the pharmaceutical industry in America. Mm. Amen. Somebody that's watched both their parents be destroyed by the pharmaceutical industry. The, this medication doesn't work. I think, in fact, it's making it worse. Right. I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff. Because when I first started having issues, they wanted to say, it's anxiety, it's anxiety. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not anxiety. I know what anxiety is. I've been on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have anxiety yeah. on stage. It's not just anxiety walking through the house. Uh, I, was, I was being dizzy uh, my heart rate would shoot up and it took um, four years to have an accurate diagnosis over 40 doctors they ended wow. up sending me to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota and it, they diagnosed me with something called POTS it's a form of dysautonomia a malfunction of the autonomic nervous system so when you go to play live I either have to be having a really good day or I have to be accommodated really well, like with fans, a cool place, and I'm not one to sit down to play, but it might actually come to that. I don't know. Yeah. My favorite band in the world always sat down at their gigs. There's a running joke of whether or not they brought their chairs. Because every picture you see of like Sonic and Jason playing in Spaceman 3 from like the, the, the short time they were a band, like they're always sitting down, bro. Like, I went and saw Spiritualized in 2019 with my wife in Atlanta, and that was an amazing show. That's one of the best shows I've ever seen live. Spiritualized, that band, right? But Jason Pierce, sure enough, came out, kind of like acknowledged the crowd, and then just sat down. The whole show sat and played the whole show, and he's always done it since the like nineteen eighty four. I don't like. It. I'll be honest with you. Like when I play out, I don't like sitting down. I don't really either. I don't either. I can't stand it. 
But I, they always did, and I just was like, they. I don't know why he sits down, but he does, and and the sound is all that matters at a concert to me. It doesn't matter what you look like, yeah. or, or you know what clothes you got on, or you know, are you cool enough? Are you wearing a cool jacket? You know, is your jacket got enough buttons You're leaking. on it? You're leaking. I don't really care what you look like, man, if you're a musician. <laughs> right. It's really all about what, I don't care what kind of guitar you have either. Just be careful with it. Tones in the fingers, anyway. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it very matter. true. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter who you, who you are, what you look like, or who your parents are, what you can afford. Do you have it in your soul? Because that's where the music comes from. That's where real music comes from. It doesn't matter. Like It can't be bought or sold. The Beatles were, were, were for sale. I, I give it away. That's what Aunt Newcomb said. Yeah. God dang, that was profound as shit, man. <laughs> Damn. I see, I see why. I'm, like, here, I'm we, the we, oldest we, dude here, yeah. and I ain't come up with shit like that yet. Damn. Look, so, like, <laughs> everyone listen. Damn. Like, Brian and I have been back and forth for, what, six months about doing this, yeah. at least? And, like, Kai's got to be there. Kai's got to be there. And I'm one. I was like, "Who is this Kai guy?" I was like, "Quite an enigma." Like, <laughs> he's to, a fucking thinker. <laughs> until I get to know you, like I'm, I'm slightly on the autism spectrum. So, like, until I get to know you, like I'm kind of like, I won't fuck with you. Yeah. And I don't mean it personal. It's just how I am. Like, I'm a very nervous person, and like. He he comes in. He comes in. He's got his mask on, <laughs> and he comes into my apartment. And he looks at me and he goes, do I need this? Or whatever you said said there. I was like, should I, should I keep it on? Or? Yeah, and I, and I was like, no, man. I said, you can keep it on if you want to. Yes, but whatever. I, whatever, you know, you whatever. And then I offered the dude a beer and he's like, wow. He just like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's family now. You know what I mean? He was like, all as right, we're as, good. As we're long good. as I see that I can make a genuine connection yeah, where I won't yeah. be horribly, harshly judged. No, I'm not at all here, man. Yeah, it's like, so I mean, we connected out there over wrestling, right? Yeah. In R.E.M. <laughs> if you can pick my brain in such a way, you know, you've got a solid comrade because I'm honest and I'm There you go, man. <laughs> but, like, I am Roll kind of, tight. I am Roll kind tight. of a one and done, you know. I'll give you the, the benefit of the doubt anybody, but, like, I really don't. I'm not really particular to to giving people chances after they fucked around, you know. Hmm. Uh, just, oh, hopefully none of us are, you know. No. I mean, life's too short. Yeah. Yeah. Not. And to be giving yourself grief over that kind of thing, yeah. right? it's not worth it. There's a lot of situations, a lot of people in life, just not worth the, the stress and, and wow, thought. Wow, that's a, that's a wonderful call. Yeah. What is that? Yes, that's the Druid City North so Porter. Both you will not be both. driving home. Both of these, man. <laughs> both of these beers that you drink, they uh, they won best beer in Alabama uh, in years gone by. Mm, I can see one. Druid City Brewing. That was the. How old, uh, how old do you guys take me for? I'm gonna say you're 28. Appreciate that. I'm 30. I just turned 30. I'm, I'm 30. Well, I was gonna man. say 30. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a chance. Yes. Yeah, there's two of them over there. <laughs> you graduate 2009. Yes. Me too. Well, damn, I can't say I'm 30. Well, guys, I'm happy to have made two new friends today. Well, we appreciate you coming by. Where the hell are you going? (laughs) Sorry, Facebook Live, it does happen from time to time. Yes, it does. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, you'll see it. Right on the right. If it's not the bedroom, it's the bathroom, so. No, but going back to the live stuff, I had to figure out something. Because I didn't want to quit. I was like, well, what can I do to keep it going? What can I do? Yeah. It's all about relevancy, right? Yeah. 
no. you don't want to be forgotten. Just keep writing. And did Did you ever do like the Facebook lives or like what did that look like? No, you just put up a YouTube cover. No, <laughs> I just I just write and record and get publicity behind it, and put it out there. He hustles, man. Yeah, I guess you can call it that. Yeah. And just now, I mean, like, fucking gave you an independent music award or right. nomination. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it's it's gotten you on Cornelius Chapel. You and, know, yeah, and I mean, just I mean, what did that look like, Brian? Is like, are you do you have like the equipment at home? Are you doing this at your house or like what is what does yeah, that songwriting process look like for for you? Oh, I, I just write the songs. I write them all on acoustic guitar and do um, like rough uh, recordings of them. Go to the studio and record them. But I'm working on getting some stuff of my own. I do have some stuff of my own, but it's not really up to date. So, fixing to sink some money into some stuff. Like solo stuff? No, recording equipment. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't, a good chunk of change into some, like, vintage equipment so that I could contribute way as far as well I don't know I gotta crow about it you know you guys gave me a platform to crow I'm gonna crow I bought a 1966 Silvertone 1482 okay and it's got all the original components like the Silvertone tubes the original Jensen 12 in it it's it, it sings I love it it has a tremolo <laughs> in it that a little can't, sober. Be, can't be repeated it can't be like you can't just build it into a pedal and replicate it like there's nothing like having the original hardware and I have one Mm-hmm. I've been after a silver tone for a long, long time, and I found out that Sterling Morrison from Velvet Underground, who's one of my favorite guitar players ever, predominantly just played silver tone amps. I was like, oh, well, I've got to have that. And then uh, another band I really like is Galaxy 500, mm-hmm. Dean Wareham. I like Luna too. I like anything Dean. Does. I was a big fan of theirs back in the day. Dean Wareham, I really like him. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, he likes. He favors silver tone amps too mm-hmm. and so I was like oh man Sterling Dean Wareham and Spaceman 3 all using silver tone outs maybe maybe old Kai should get him a silver tone out I think so well <laughs> let's talk about hardware like as far as like guitars and like you, you've talked about amplifiers but like what do y'all Brian you, 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 have, a, you have a preference I played in a band with that like had the wherewithal to know he needed a jazz master because he had one when I met him yeah Bender jazz master now I got a Rickenbacker. That kind of set the. I was just like, is that because of Lance? Be you know, like. I played one at the studio over there when we started recording in waves. So I got to get one of these. Yeah, about that Rickenbacker. A week later, I had one. So. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Like uh, a buddy of mine at the festival I was out yesterday, and I was unaware that Rickenbacker still made uh, bass and guitars. Mm-hmm. He had a Rickenbacker bass, and I was like, "Yeah, those are awesome. That's like, oh, dude, I'm telling you, I picked it up, and the action. Oh my gosh, yes. Hawkwind and Motorhead. They, my my friend Marsh. Unreal. My yeah. friend Marsh. When we were growing up, and we were both in punk bands, he was in USA. I was in the White House Slaves. Great name, too, by the way. <laughs> but so I used his bass one time. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, just the the freaking neck. I don't know what it's made out of. It just it it's like. I don't know. I can't describe it. Like my hand didn't like stop at any point. It just went. And those Rickenbackers with the guitars and basses, like in my experience, is like 
you don't have to do any after work on it. Like the action is just good, man. It's like everything's in its right place. I would like to have one of those or my, well, my go-to bass, you. if I could have any bass in the world, if I had a trust fund, if my if my dad was super rich and could just give me an Amex card to swap wherever I wanted. Sure. I'd have, a, I'd have a 1967 Epiphone Rivioli. It's a hollow body and it sounds dirty as fuck. That's what I would have. <laughs> but dirty time in, fuck. I've got an Ibanez BTB series. It's a four string and it sounds pretty good. It has three active pickups in it, so it works for what we need it to work for. But with the Dirty Clergy, since we were going for a, a more shoegazy indie sound, Les had, I don't know whose bass, I still don't know who, whose bass it was. It may, maybe it was Craig's. It might have belonged to Craig, but I can't say for sure it belonged to Craig. I know one of the basses I used did belong to Craig for sure. It was a Fender Jazz bass I used on some of Ben Wave's tracks, but the rest of the bass was tracked with a Jack Cassidy Epiphone hollow body <laughs> bass guitar. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm kind of a... Like, I'm kind of... That's why I wanted to bring the question up. Yeah. I sensed it. <laughs> the Jack I'm Cassidy, cool with it. The Jack Cassidy bass can be heard on stuff like, for sure, I remember uh, re uh, I remember recording the bass line to Trials, uh, Whiplash, Born to Lose was actually done with my Fender Squire that I don't have anymore. I had a Fender Squire Precision Bass, um, like an American Deluxe. Um, it was pretty good. That's one of my favorite I'm a, I'll tell you, you like, dude, Born to Lose. Yeah. Born to lose. Yeah, that, I, I lived down in Mobile. I had a Mexican Strat the Cassidy, the that would beat the hell out was, of some Americans. I was like, I it was, he's like, I don't know what happened. He said, I can sell that to you. It doesn't belong to me. <laughs> I was like, who's it belong to? He's like, I really don't know, man. I can't tell. I, it might be Craig's. Yeah, I think, I think Born to Lose is my favorite. I think, it, I think it belonged to... It's a great uh, song. I, I want to say his name right. It's Sir, Sir Volo. It's the bass player for Go uh, Holiday Gunfire. Uh, Les and Mikey's band. No. The no, bass player, mean. Craig. Yeah. Uh, I met him one time, shook his hand, didn't didn't see him long. Williamson? He was a nice... No, Sir Volo. Sir Volo? Sarah Volo. Yeah, something you like, got it. Yeah, sure. Something something like that. Like that. No, sure. Bro, I just know Craig. Yeah, nice guy. Had wonderful taste in bass yeah. guitars. Shook his hand and said, "Thanks for letting me use jazz bass." And <laughs> I don't think he even knew who the fuck I was or that. Rose or that, Dorothy that or somebody. Yeah, but he was just like, "Yeah, man, it's good to meet you." What the fuck is this, Les? <laughs> <laughs> like that, you know? yeah. What the fuck is this? Yeah. It's just all about. Oh, you got a nice bass guitar. I don't care, dude. I'm just here to like <laughs> grab some shit and leave. I'm Craig, though. He's a wonderful <laughs> guy, though. Like, I, I, I don't give him. He let me use his equipment. All right, guys. Uh, we'll wrap it out. Uh, Monk, anything else? We didn't talk about the beers that we've been drinking. We did not? It's untapped and vinyl. We didn't talk about the beers. Untapped. It's the uh, first time we've ever done it afterwards. <laughs> so. But I feel like we're in good shape. Uh, we're in good shape. <laughs> Druid City. Those are Crowlers. Crowlers. Gracias. Um, the IPA, we've talked about that 8 million times because it's the best beer ever in the world. And the... The coffee style. And yeah. Finishing that on the, the porter. The, it's the downtown North Porter. Now, I'm going to give you a little tip. If you ever go to Tuscaloosa, you get you a crowler of downtown North Porter. You take you a scoop of vanilla ice cream, mm -hmm. pour it over that, pour that over the ice cream. Oh. And then put you just a half a shot of whiskey on top of it. Kill the bitterness. Like, like some high-end whiskey? Like yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you can do Ed and yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah. Or could you do well? Yeah, you could. Sure. Okay. 
Okay. Sure. Yeah. I like, as far as whiskey goes, <laughs> like I don't mean to be like that, but I'm a little bougie. I like uh, Shiva's Regal. <laughs> a little what? A little bougie. <laughs> a little bougie. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's great. I'll drink, I'll drink $60 liquor. And, you know, I'll drink Coors Light with my friends, but I'll drink Shiva's Regal alone. I'm that kind of thing. I like I would like to be Hunter Thompson if I could be, but I don't Oh my gosh. I don't have a trust fund. I'm telling you. <laughs> I love the guy though. Hunter Thompson. Buy the ticket, take the ride. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Uh, Brian, Kai, anything else to do? Uh, plug uh, social medias. Let people know where they can find your music, please. Uh, Dirty Clergy on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow me and my wacky antics, it's Old King Kai. All one word together, all lowercase. That's K-Y. K-A-I, actually. K-A-I, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you can, um, you can go to, um, I actually encourage people to go to bandcamp.com, thedirtyclergy.bandcamp.com. Um, you know, you can get the record, record anywhere. So, and facebook.com slash thedirtyclergy. All right, guys. What, is there anything else to add or subtract? Comments? Thoughts? Poetry? If you're a budding musician... I want you to continue to do what you're doing. <laughs> That's all I Fair enough. Don't stop. Roll Tide. We're out of here. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. Uh, you know the drill. It was really good to have uh, Dirty Clergy on here. It was a fairly dirty recording. If you made it this far, props. Um... Tell me about how that went. I'd like to hear from you. The first song that you heard was Trials. It was the first song off of the In Flames record. The next song that you're going to hear is Born to Lose. Thank y'all so much for putting up with um, all that I do. Guys, I, I literally record in a different place every time. It's always a different situation, so I appreciate your patience, and uh, thank you for enjoying the show, tuning in, and listening to these great bands. I'm out of here. Thank y'all. Peace out.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.